from BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. In Hamlet, Shakespeare warns us about being led down the primrose path, but today not only will we lead you down the primrose path, you're going to be glad we did. BYU's annual Primrose Memorial Concert honors legendary violist William Primrose and features renowned violists from all around the globe. This year, Sheila Brown. That's Brown with an E. Sheila Brown is an acclaimed international soloist, chamber musician, professor, and principal orchestral player. She's performed in major halls on five continents. The New York Times called her a stylish player, and Robert Mann from the Juilliard String Quartet called her one of America's most important violists. What that means is two things. First, we're very lucky to have her in studio to talk viola today. And second, we're pleased to share a performance from the actual Primrose Memorial Concert. Sheila Brown, viola, Jeffrey Shumway Piano, playing for a live audience in the Madsen Recital Hall, Joseph Jungmann's piece for viola and piano, Allegro Appassionato.
That was Sheila Brown performing Allegro Appassionato by Josef Jomins, recorded live in the Matson Recital Hall in the Primrose Memorial Concert Series here at BYU. Sheila, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's a great pleasure and honor. Well, we feel very lucky that you're here. You've showed up with your instrument and ready to play for <laughs> us. Lucky students who get to have master classes and, and talk viola with you throughout the day today. Oh, well, I'm very much looking forward to the BYU students. Claudine is an excellent teacher, so be Cla a treat. Well, I have to ask about the repertoire for viola because that yes. last piece was actually written for the viola. It was. Well, it must be very nice to be able to play a piece. But you end up playing a lot of transcriptions, and why is that, do you think, that there are so many viola transcriptions? Well, people would say, oh, it's because violas don't have that much repertoire. If you have been over to the Primrose Memorial Archives, I think you would disagree. There are stacks and stacks and stacks of music. I mean, I yes. was so overwhelmed to be there yesterday. So I just think every instrument, we want to play other great pieces that we hear. Um, I actually don't think it's because we have less repertoire. I mean, yes, we have less repertoire. We don't have all the Beethoven sonatas and things. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would like to fill in some of those gaps. But... Uh, you know, say this Prokofiev that I'm playing, I really love that piece. And we do have Prokofiev music, um, not that he wrote himself, it's also transcriptions, but it's like, you know, orchestral stuff and yes. things. So that's kind of an interesting challenge to try and put that on viola. Well, you know wherever you speak, not only do you play transcriptions, but yes. this piece you were speaking of, we're going to hear one of those movements. Right. Tell me about the process of transcribing a work for another instrument for the for your instrument? Well, when you're playing something for cello, of course, you have to be really adept at bass clef. You know, I played piano growing up, so that's not such a big deal. But then having to play bass clef on the viola is a different physicality. So that's a little bit of a mind bender. Then you go to the tenor clef, and that's really a mind bender for me because that is not our clef. We are mm. C clef. Um, so that, that's the first hurdle. Um, I have perfect pitch and stuff, and I, I just usually just play along, you know, with what I hear in my head. So I don't have to refer to the music quite that much. But, I, you know, I'm looking for trying to imitate like that amazing dark cello resonance. Mm. I feel like there are almost two types of violists, those that are more cellistic in their approach to the instrument and those that are more violinistic. And I really have always seen myself as more of the cello side. I mean, I also have a dark voice, as you can hear, so I guess that's just part of my soul and my nature to, you know, feel a kinship with that, those vibes. It doesn't it seem like way. it would just be a matter of changing key. Like, let's just put oh, all I this didn't in even the change key. Oh, I you're doing it in the very same. I'm doing it in the original key, and I'm trying <laughs> to keep it in the same octaves. I mean... Yeah, which I can't always. Sometimes and, Jeffrey helps me. And with that. is this one of the pieces you showed me? One that you're playing actually from the violin part. I, I'm playing from the cello part, and and oh, the cello. The other oh. one I'm playing from the violin part. Yes. Okay, you're doing all kinds of mental gymnastics <laughs> that right. listeners would never know. Yeah. Well, hopefully they never know. I don't know. That that is our goal. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I heard you got to perform your transcription of this. Uh, you got to perform this recently at the International Viola Congress at the Eastman School. Yes. And so yes, we're that was a real treat. We're lucky to be added to the list. We're going Aww. to we're going to hear this. Uh, we'll hear the first movement. If you want to take your place here, this is the first movement of the Sonata for Cello and Piano in C Major, written by Sergei Prokofiev. And we'll hear this first movement, the Andante Grave. We'll listen to this performed by Sheila Brown. 
Our guest today, violist Sheila Brown, performing live here in Studio 6, Classical 89. And what a beautiful transcription, uh, written for cello, but my goodness, every bit is beautiful for the viola. I'm so glad you agree. <laughs> of course, it's all Prokofiev stewing. It's, it's a beautiful well, work. Well, that, that was the first movement. And it's so interesting, at the time he wrote that, that, that he actually had because of the way the Soviet system was, he actually had to go through several banks of sort of different collectives of composers to decide if it was good music or against the spirit of the people or whatever. Right. What, whatever the mood was at the time. Which could change. Right? Which, which could like change at any moment. Yes, yes. Well, you mentioned that you like to think of yourself as a cellistic player and such rich notes, but very beautiful high harmonics too. Oh. I mean, you're not skimping on the high notes here for <laughs> Oh no, we like to run the gamut. <laughs> beautifully beautifully done. Thank now you. we want to sort of get to know you personally just a little bit and my goodness to go to your website is to find endless questions we could ask, but we have picked <laughs> out a few. Okay. And one is this beautiful picture of a dream catcher which people might know as a Native American uh it's it's a little physical creation, usually a hoop. Yes. That you mm-hmm. hang where where you sleep, and I think Dreamcatcher is self-explanatory. Yes. There yes. is a picture on your website, but it has a viola in it. Tell me the story yeah. of this. Well, it actually has three violas in it. You couldn't I I couldn't do justice to to the the real thing, but um, I was asked to solo with the only women's prison orchestra in the country. Wow. In Anchorage, Alaska, and I did this just last month in December, and it was really, I would say, a life-changing experience. Um, If ever we needed to understand the power of music to heal people, to Mm -hmm. help organize them, to galvanize people, to change their lives, and and to do things in a different way, I think this orchestra is living proof of that. And this Dreamcatcher was a gift from one of the violists in the orchestra. She made it for me upon my playing the concert. Mm. So it was a very, very moving experience. I was there for a couple of days and um, they decked out the gym. They put quilts all over the wall that some of the other women inmates had made. They repainted the whole gym. I mean, they wait all year for this holiday concert and the women get to dye their hair, which they normally don't get to do during the year and they get to you know, dress up and stuff. And so it's really wonderful. They just put all of their energies towards this one concert. And, you know, the, the playing level is, it's, it's not New York Philharmonic. Um, there are some inmates who have been in that orchestra for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very moving experience, and they love it. So, and, and I was really just so taken by, um, you know, the way everyone treated me. They were so happy I was there, and they were asking me all these questions about playing. It was really, really very moving. Well, it sounds like a beautiful opportunity and wonderful that, that I love that you loved it so much because that oh, is. Yes. A, a, remember what piece or pieces you played in the concert? Well, I, I played Oblivion. They asked me to play Piazzolla, Oblivion, which is also a transcription, actually. <laughs> Seems like I only do transcriptions, but um, and that was a violin piece, and, and they, they had requested that. So I sold uh, with that in the orchestra, and then I also played this, the same Yangon piece, um, some Vivaldi. Um, played a kind of a smorgasbord of, of things. So I had my own solo set in, in the middle of, of their Christmas carols and other pieces they were playing as part of the you know Christmas pageant, basically. Well, so. since we're talking Alaska and that visit, yes. you did manage, it was December, you managed to go dog sledding, which makes you our first guest <laughs> on Highway 89 who has done this. Tell, tell us about this. <laughs> well, 
I had two husky mixes myself, and, and one just passed away over the holidays. Um, but I've always been quite fascinated by the Iditarod and yes. just, the, you know, seeing these dogs with this incredible joy on their face going hour after hour through the snow, pulling the sled or, you know, whatever, the, whatever they're doing, um, racing. And so... I was up in Fairbanks after my trip to the prison to give some master classes at the University of Fairbanks. And my host, uh, he, he kind of set me up with, you know, one of his students recommended this dog sledding place where you can go. And I was out for three hours. I almost froze to death by the end, but, you know, it was like 19 below or something. But I actually got to run the sled and, and everything. And How so, many dogs in the, in the oh, team? There were, there were eight in the team. Wow. And the lead dog's name was Stoic. And she was nine. She was, you know, almost a senior citizen. But she, they, it's a very interesting way they partner the dogs with different personalities. So you'll have, you know, someone like Stoic, who, who is, you know, like her name, kind of Stoic and, you know, uh, unflappable and then a more energized dog next to her. So it was very interesting, the psychology involved. Um, I, I learned a lot about dogs. I mean, I, I'm a big animal lover. So it was just a wonderful experience for me. And it was so beautiful up there outside of Fairbanks. We, we hear that until recently, you also had a pot-bellied pig part of your family. Oh, yes. Well, I had Cosmo, my pot-bellied pig, <laughs> for 10 years. And he, unfortunately, passed away this past summer. Um, he was named after Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld, if you remember that crazy character. Yes. Um, this pig had like at least a four octave range, and I'm not <laughs> kidding you. I mean, they, they say they can scream as loud as jet engines, and I believe it. I mean, when they get flustered, boy, you don't want to be around them. But that was one, one of the joys and delights about Cosmo was, was, you know, his vocalizations and stuff. You know, the grunts and the guttural and then these high-pitched squeaks. Um, he's also, you know, they say mini pigs have the intelligence of a three-year-old, which I can attest to. I mean, he was potty trained in a week. You know, he uh, knew where his carrot drawer was in the refrigerator. He could open cabinets. I mean, you know, he was a fascinating animal to, to live with for 10 years. He was kind of an indoor-outdoor pig. I mean, he lived in the house for most of his 10 years. Um, so, you know, I feel like I'm in good company. I mean, George Clooney also had a mini pig for many years. And so, you know, I, I highly recommend them as, as pets, but you, you have to know what you're doing. I mean, you have to have the space and so on. Well, let's hear some more music. We'll give you a chance sure. if you need to tune here. And I think I'm going to hear everything the rest of the day differently, thinking of orchestras in prisons, I did a Rob prep, and pot-bellied pigs, all having to do somehow with music and the viola. Next, we're going to hear fascinating music from Manuel de Falla. He took originally seven different popular Spanish folk songs and wrote vocal versions of them. Then he did an instrumental version where uh, he took six of these. And we were going to hear, we'll hear three and then another set of three. And we're going to give you just a few lines of lyric from each of these folk songs so you get an idea of what they are. So I'm not interrupting, I'm just sharing as we introduce each of these, just a little bit of, of the lyric. So the very first of these is El Paño Moruno, followed by Asturiana Erjota. And the introduction from the lyrics of El Paño Moruno is the Moorish cloth. On the fine cloth in the shop, a spot has fallen. It sells for less now for it has lost its value. Aye. Mm -hmm. 
next Asturiana text from the piece is Seeking Consolation, I Drew Near a Green Pine Tree to See if It Would Console Me. Seeing me weep, it wept. The pine, as it was green, wept to see me weeping. Now, the Hota, the lyrics to the folk song say, they say we're not in love because we are not seen to talk, but let them ask your heart and mine. They say we're not in love because we're not seen to talk. I must leave you now, leave your house and your window, and although your mother disapproves, goodbye, dearest, till tomorrow. Goodbye, dearest, till tomorrow. I must leave you, although your mother disapproves. Thank you. 
That's our violist in studio today from Suite Populaire Espanol by Manuel de Falla, El Paño Maruno, followed by Asturiana and the Jota. We'll hear the next three in just a moment. We'll give you a, a break. You never get a break like this when you do this in concert, do you? No, you're right. This is great. <laughs> Let you sort of jog around, loosen up your shoulders. That's right. That. You Sheila always Br- do that. <laughs> Sheila Brown is in town performing at BYU's annual William Primrose Memorial Concert. The guest is always a renowned violist, and it's a sheer pleasure to hear you play. Thank you again for coming in to, to play for us today. Well, thank you. It's, it's a very impressive list that I'm following. So many, many of the people I've looked up to my whole life are on that list that have played this concert. So well, nice to add you to deal. the plaque there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's something else you do in your musical life, which yes. is uh, you, you kindly brought us this CD, Poetry in Motion, Music for Flute, Viola, and Harp. Yes. And your group is the Fire Pink Trio. That's right. I understand it's named after a flower we do not have in the Rocky Mountains. Yes, I think this is a wildflower only found in the Appalachian Mountains, as we say, in the south. Now, I'm actually from Philadelphia. In the north, we say Appalachian Mountains, so I get confused sometimes. But anyway, it's a beautiful flower that comes out in spring, and it carpets the, the, the lawns in certain places and in the woods, um, and it's called the Fire Pink flower it has five petals and they kind of look like paint brushes it's a very unique design so we had a very hard time finding a name for this group which is flute viola and harp uh, in its instrumentation and so we were just looking through lists of names and came across a wildflower list and we thought oh fire pink so people come up with all sorts of things. Oh, fire is Sheila's red hair, or which is actually not <laughs> quite true, right? But then pink, oh, there are three women in this group. So, you know, they're all women. It's, but, but of course, it just all kind of worked out, you know, with this wildflowers. Now you, what, you know what it's like to be the Beatles and have everybody second guess every line of lyric. And yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's... Exactly like being one yeah, of the Beatles. Tempting. Well, the other musicians in the trio, flute, Deborah Reuter-Pivetta and yes. Jacqueline Bartlett-Harp, so how do you choose your repertoire? Ha. Because when we look at the 15 tracks on this, it's everywhere from barcaroles and recitatives and to ending with uh, cruising with the top down. Yeah, well, that Sonny Burnett piece is really fun, and, and it is just like you're out there with the top down on your convertible and, and driving down the street just sort of a Sunday afternoon drive and taking in the scenery, and it's a little jazzy. Um, so it's it's a nice way to end concerts, we found, that that little piece of course we had to put Debussy Trio on there Debussy Trio is of course one of my most favorite pieces I mean we play this piece quite a lot and we never get tired of it usually when we get back together we we sit down and run through Debussy we all sigh at the end of running through and just say (laughs) this never gets old it never gets boring it's always refreshing and gorgeous it's it's one of the masterpieces beautiful beautiful world so. Well, let's let's give you a moment to tune up if you'd like and take your place. We're going to hear the final three sections of these popular songs by Manuel de Falla, these popular Spanish songs. The three we'll hear now are entitled Nana, Cancion, and Polo is the final. Dr. Jeffrey Shumway is the accompanist. Again, a section of the lyric from the original folk song before each. And for Nana, lullaby, sleep, little one, sleep. Sleep, my darling, sleep, little star of the morning. Lala lule, lala lule, sleep, little star of the morning. Mm-hmm. 
next cancion, and the lyrics say, Because your eyes are treacherous, I'm going to bury them. You know not what it costs to be ignored, child, to gaze into them. Go away, mother, to gaze into them. Mother, they say you don't love me, but once you did, make the best of it and cut your losses. Out of my way, mother, cut your losses. Mother. Polo. The lyric says, I, I have, alas, I have a pain in my heart. I have a pain in my heart, alas, which I can tell no one. A curse on love and a curse, alas, on the one who made me know it. Bye.
Curse on Love Indeed and the One Who Made Me Know It. Music from Manuel Defiance, Sweet Populaire Espanol, performed live just now in studio by Sheila Brown. Sadly, sadly, that concludes our show. Wonderfully done. Our guests today have been violist Sheila Brown, the pianist Jeffrey Shumway. More information about Sheila Brown, her latest concerts and projects, and her recent album with the Fire Pink Trio is available online at Sheila Brown. Viola.com. That's brown with an E. Sheila, thank you again for coming and playing. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. We're so glad to have had Dr. Jeffrey Shumway here from the BYU faculty performing. What's next? What's your next piece you must conquer or project you must do? Well, I guess Rockberg Sonata, that's on the program for tonight and tomorrow as well. And, and that, that actually has a history with Provo. So that was written, that was commissioned by Brigham Young University for William Primrose. And actually, a native Philadelphian ended up playing the premiere, who was a student of Primrose's. That was Joseph Di Pasquale, who was principal of Philly Orchestra. But that's a tour de force for both viola and piano. And it has not a transcription. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that part of the performance. Well, good luck, with, good luck with that. We're so grateful you came. Today's concert was arranged in conjunction with BYU's annual Primrose Memorial Concert. To learn more about William Primrose and his connection to BYU, visit the Primrose International Viola Archive on the fourth floor of the Harold B. Lee Library or visit viola.byu.edu. If you're listening at home or wherever you are and just caught part of the show, you'd like to hear the first part, hear it again, or share it. So easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. Also follow us on Twitter at byuh89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our assistant is Abby Horlocker, and the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.